Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence, your sweet presence in this place. We give you thanks for the songs that we have sung uh, as we celebrated who you are the God of the universe, the creator of all things. And we pray tonight, I mean today, Lord, that you might open our eyes further. Like Paul says, open the eyes of our understanding that we might be able to see and perceive and walk in your purposes. We give you thanks for all that has happened because this has brought us here to you in understanding. We pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, We pray that we might be able to see from your vantage point and perspective, understanding that we're in a good place. You have brought us to the house of the Lord, to be with the people of the Lord, to hear the word of the Lord, and to be able to walk in it. We pray that we not be hearers of the word, but doers, that we might experience everything that you intended us for, us to experience salvation, forgiveness of sin, redemption, renewal, reconciliation, that we might walk with our God upon the earth and not be ashamed and not hide and not flee from your presence, O God. Thank you that you are for us and not against us. Thank you that you paid the price on Calvary, the shed blood of the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, that we no longer fear you, but we run towards you to receive your embrace and your love. We pray, Father God, that this good word would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit and that allow us in the midst of challenging days and hard times, perilous times, where men have become lovers of themselves, they're selfish on steroids, that we would be those few people that would pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow you daily, Lord, that we might find life in abundance, a spirit that runs the current of living waters. Your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us and direct us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen and amen. Um, We're furthering this year, every year we have a theme that will capture the year's thought. And this year we have come up with uh, perfecting our worship. What, What is worship? Um, we've learned already that worship has to do in the Bible with every expression of worship. It, it talks about a part of your body that corresponds to your worship. So that lifting up your hands to the heavens. I didn't understand that when I got to church. and I saw everybody lifting up their hands. I was saying, how is the preacher going to answer so many questions? Because in the classroom setting, you raise your hand and yes, sir, what do you need? And, and I thought that that's what lifting up your hands was in the house of God. And it was super hard for me to lift up my hands because they were so dirty before the presence of God. But the lifting up of hands is a, an expression of surrender. Like when they put a gun behind your back, you go like this, I give up. And uh, that's what you're actually telling God as, as we raise up holy hands in his sanctuary, the Bible says, to worship our God and King. The bowing down also, that was, that was an, a bodily expression, to bow down. Uh, Some cultures do that to show a sign of reverence and respect. They they bow their heads and 
That's a sign of, of submission. Um, the, the hands together in prayer, a lot of people, if you come from the Catholic Church, you still see a lot of people going around like this. That's us. We came from there and still have the, that perspective. The kneeling down is a sign of worship. So all, a lot of words in the Bible correspond to a physical uh, corresponding position of the bodies. And then you see how the devil uses it to destroy people in yoga where they take the python position, you know, the walk like an Egyptian and all these different things. And you, you get in a position they teach you and you grunt and you, uh, 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 and that makes you receptive to demons. And then if you take your puppies and your pets and your goats, you could yoga like that. And I feel that the devil wants to put man in precarious positions to make fun of him. Um, but, but all these signs of worships um, are in the Bible and they teach us to, to follow an example to bring a response. Listen to this definition of worship. Worship is the correct response to God by the Spirit of God through Christ. The right response when you're living, corresponding in your worship. And I say like this, if we perfect our worship, then heavens, and there's, there's a lot of this stuff in the Bible, that when you worship accurately, there's a corresponding response from the heavens. And in that regards, uh, we want the heavens to be 100% open towards us and our children and our grandchildren. And so Jesus and the word of God would say, if, if you worship correctly, um, Malachi 3.10, as we worship with our tithes and our offerings, uh, bring these to my storehouse that there may be food in my house and I challenge you in this, says the Lord, uh, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, so we know that heaven has windows because God says so, and, and the, those, have, those windows are either open or they're closed. And if they're open, because we're worshiping right, then God will pour out for you so much blessing that there will be no room enough for you to receive it. So this is like heaven's windows are open and you are a steward of the abundance of what heaven wants to pour out upon you not enough room for you to receive it, to, to put away. Um, I often, just as a reminder, when people are bugging me about whether or not they're gonna make it or not in this life, I'll take them outside and I'll go over to the flower pot and I'll grab a whole bunch of sand, the grains of sand that fit in my hand. And then I try to find a little ant and I begin to let the sands bury the ant in the abundance of my hands. And I said, this is what God wants to do for you. He wants in his hands are all these blessings and he wants to dispense them upon you to just bury you where you won't have enough room to receive it all. And, and a lot of us don't, don't see God in that manner. We, we haven't seen, we haven't been buried in abundance of blessings. We are living in scarcity and want and lack. But I believe as we move in his direction and line ourselves up to be stewards 
of the things that he pours out from heaven, we're prepared to worship in a manner that is worthy. As your worship becomes more excellent, the evidence of the expression of his glory becomes more manifest. And so what you see in our family, um, I, I came to the Lord when I was 16, and, and God made room for a beautiful wife. Uh, I always say that I, had I not come to the Lord to worship him, I would have had five wives. I would have had children all over town because my life had zero expression of glory. It had a lot of shame in it. But as we drew nearer to God and did it his way, now we see the results of his goodness and not the expressions of my foolishness. Um, the Bible call, tells us how to worship and it tells us who to worship and it tells us why we worship. And all manner of false expressions of worship are seen upon the earth today uh, in our Spanish congregation here um, there was a young girl, she was saying that she grew up to worship idols. She's from Cuba and she worships these different gods. And she got a revelation of who Jesus was. So she had to put away her gods, her, her statues. And, and somebody told her, well, she asked somebody, what do I do with them? And they, and they told her, just burn them. So she stuck them in a wheelbarrow and threw gas on it. And she started, she lit them on fire and all these statues were burning and uh, her husband was freaking out. He wasn't a believer at the time. Now he is, thank God. He's a dentist. And he comes out and sees her with a bonfire, putting, killing her gods, burning them up to direct her worship. And so all these, if something was happening with the fire and the, the ceramic or whatever, and they were popping and sparking off, and it was right next to his brand new Porsche, the car, and he came out screaming, what are you doing? Look what you're doing. You're, you're burning up my car. And she goes, I'm burning up my idols. You burn up yours, talking about. <laughs> Put that car to rest already because that's your idol. And, and false worship is when you grab your time and your capacities and direct them towards your interest. And when we aren't worshiping God, we're, it's not that we're not worshiping, it's we're worshiping other things. So even yesterday, as I was talking to somebody the day before, I was telling them, look, I know that you don't, you don't perceive that God exists, but he's the creator of all things, and you could ask him for help. And she responded, she goes, well, I'm more like a nature person. I, I worship nature. And I said, look, somebody made nature. And you should go closer to that person because that person is able to help you. Even if you don't know him, ask him to reveal himself to you. Call him creator. Let him introduce you to his son, Jesus. And then have that relationship that's corresponding that God is for you and not against you. And so worship is, is something that so many have grown far from, and like Pastor Kinney was saying, to go straight to the chase, go to the word of God and let the God of the universe reveal himself to you and to the degree that you correspond in giving him his worth. That's what worship is. That word were before ship. Worship is worth. 
And if you don't run across God in his worth, if you don't understand why he's worth so much, uh, the question is we worship God because he's worthy. And we see it all over the Bible. It's the experience of many of those who wrote this book. Psalm 145 verse three, the psalmist says, great is the Lord and most worthy to be praised, greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable, unfathomable. And I believe that many times when we pursue God, we're just scratching the surface. Um, we're just scratching the surface of who he is and his greatness the knowledge and the, what he wants to reveal. We said Matthew 5, 8, that we can't see God because we have so much clutter in our lives. We have so much clutter in our hearts. But Jesus says, blessed are those that have a pure heart for they shall see God. If we remove all the stuff that has been piled up for over years, and in many respects, relationally with our parents, our family, our brothers, our sisters, uh, different Neighbors in our human existence have cluttered our capacity to see God. Um, that's why children have such an affinity for the things of God because they haven't gone through much heartbreak and pain and sorrow that, that uh, remove the focus of God. But if we were to bring clarity and purity in our hearts and in our hands, um, then we will see God at a manner that will allow us to greatly praise him uh, and search his unfathomable ways. We, we, our family, for the past 40 years have been uncovering the layers in the knowledge of God because um, my great-grandparents and my grandparents and my uncles, they, they all pursued other interests. They, I can tell you my grandfather lived for 72 years. 72 years, my grandfather, my dad's dad, and he did not leave me one, one Bible verse, one expression. He never came over to me, put his arms around me and say, Joaquin, the Bible is the most important book in your life's journey. I didn't have that. Uh, and much to the contrary, they, they pointed in the direction to other things. Um, I always tell the story, we went to golf with my youngest son, Brandon, and an older man, who was like about 80 years old, 75 years old, he's out there and he's retired, and he says, could I join you guys? I say, sure, but before you join us, this is my son, he uh, just started college, and I want you to give him advice. You know, just give him one, one good, you know, you're 75 years old, I'm sure you have wisdom beyond his years, that will help him navigate life. And, and he, he turns around to Brandon and he says, just make sure you have sex with a lot of women. To have all the sex you can with a bunch of women. And, and I was like, I looked at him and I said, see Brandon, that is a fool. And I told him I'm a pastor and he freaked out. <laughs> he was like, Man, this is a bad day for me. <laughs> Inclement weather on the golf course. And 
I've taught him the opposite. I've taught him that God has a woman that he could honor for the rest of his life. And that he wait for her and Brandon was shot. Amen. Um, but that's, that's what we're getting and downloaded from our ancestries that, that point us in the wrong direction. They give us false pursuits, false religions, false realities, and they have bypassed the word of God. So we have the word of God with us this morning and great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His, great, his greatness no one can fathom. And because that is the case, Psalm 18 becomes another reality. I will call upon the Lord. Psalm 18, verse three, because he's worthy to be praised, so I shall be saved from my enemies. Man, when you got God on your side, who's gonna stand against you? The Lord promises to fight your battles. And, and that's been a treat in my life because I could rest and I don't have to get even or revenge no more. God always shows up to protect me from those who stand against me, to save me from my enemies, to fight my battles. And, and the people says, well, aren't you gonna get back at them? Aren't you gonna get even? Aren't you gonna say, no, God, God has my back. And, and there's nothing is gonna happen negative on my behalf because I worship the God who's worthy to be praised. I will call upon him, so shall I be saved from my enemies. And, and you don't know that experience until you get cancer. And we have those testimonies in our house of worship. One of the women here, her name is Mirta. She would be dropped off at the front of the church for 10 years. She'd be dropped off by her husband, who's a prominent medical doctor in Coral Gables. And he would go and park like a couple parking spaces down and he'd stay in his car for two hours while Mita was inside worshiping the one who's worthy to be praised. And I would always like say, well, isn't your husband gonna come in? I mean, it's been 10 years now. We're having our 10th anniversary. Oh no, he's not gonna come in. He worships baseball. He goes into that car and he watches two hours worth of baseball. And he was a baseball player in Cuba and he loves baseball and he would not put baseball aside to come in here to worship God. So 10 years, the guy was out there and I would go like this. He wouldn't even look my direction. He wouldn't wave. He said, we've already known each other for 10 years. He was disconnected. But one day, in advance to his medical career, he was doing a lab test for one of his patients and getting a prostate read, PSI. And he says, I'm gonna submit my blood too. And it came back that he had cancer. So then he freaked out and told his wife, look, I, I've been tested positive for cancer. What do I do? And she says, the God I worship will heal you. Amen. When do you want to come in? He goes, the next time that door's open, I'm in. So he came in, came to the altar. We prayed for him and the Lord healed him. And he became the most faithful worshiper for the following 10 years that I had ever seen in this church. He wouldn't miss a service. One year, I got tickets for the World Series, and I said, hey, Doc, how about we, you and I go to the World Series? He goes, no, I have something important to do. I'm like, more? I mean, this guy loved baseball. Miami Marlins were at the World Series, and I had tickets, and I invited him. He says, I have something more important to do. I said, what's more important than going to see the Marlins? He says, worshiping my God. 
reality. This guy was serious about the man. That not, not now the, the God of his wife who he didn't know. Now his God who healed him. And his level of worship and dedication to God was far surpassing anybody I knew. Um, so that's what it says there. He, it says that he's worthy to be praised because he'll save you from your enemies. And so depending on who your enemies are, I remember Mr. Georgie Romero also running to the refuge uh, to be saved, to be protected from those that would want to take his life and threaten him. And so I don't know, you know where you're running from, but I can tell you if you worship God, he will fight your battles and he will deliver you and you will have greater revelation of this that true God is worthy of worship and not direct our efforts in any other direction because only he is able to deliver us from our enemies and their gods the Bible says in Psalm 115 verse 2 why should the Gentiles say, where is their God? That's why people challenge who we worship, when we worship. Verse three says, for their gods, our God is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. He's an all powerful God. That's who we worship. He's almighty, omnipotent. He is omniscient. He knows all things. Verse four, but their gods, are idols the work of their own hands. Verse five, they have mouths but never speak. They have eyes but do not see. They have ears, verse six, and do not hear. They have noses and do not smell. Verse seven, they have hands but their hands are not powerful to do anything. They have feet but they do not walk. They have mouths but do not utter words with their throat. Verse eight, those who make them are like them. So is everyone who places their trust in these false idols. So our God hears us and he sees us and he extends his hand out and he walks with us. And it's a powerful relational existence. We started learning how to worship this God in previous years. Uh, Pastor Richie, I'm sorry. There's a song coming up here. In Psalm 48, the words of this song, verse one, you could sing with me. We learned this song, and I hope it becomes your song, where you can say, that's it, he knows it. Great is our God, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Verse 2, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth, His Mount Zion on the side of the north, the city of the great king. It's Mount Zion on the side of the north. The city of the great king. 
everybody. Great is our God, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the holy mountain of His holiness, beautiful for elevation, the joy of the whole earth. It's Mount Zion on the side of the north, the city of the great side of the north, the city of the great king. Amen. Hallelujah. That, that, that is actually God's address. Did you know God's address? It's Mount Sion on the side of the north. There's a his holy habitation, the place where he lives. Beautiful. If we understood that more, I, I believe that we could pass down this understanding of worshiping the true God and King. Revelations 4.11 says, You are worthy, O Lord. You are worthy, O God, to receive glory, honor, and power. Everything. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So that is the greatest connection any man or woman could have is to be connected to their creator in the manner of real worship. A lot of people, even though we've been created by God, don't know that. They don't know they were created by God. Isaiah 43, 21 says, these are the people that I created, I formed for myself, that they shall declare my praise. How far have we come from this understanding where there's actually people upon the earth that say that they're atheists, they're against God, they do not know God, they do not know themselves, they do not know why they were created, they don't know why they're upon the earth, they, they don't do it with excellence. I, I call this out of order. You walk into, you, you go up to a Coke machine and you want to put money in that machine and you press Coke and nothing comes out. And so these are out of order machines. They don't praise God. They don't give him the glory, the honor, the praise worthy of his name. We now understanding why do we worship God? Because he's worthy of worship. His, the dedicated time that you direct in that effort, it's not going to be non-consequential. There's actually going to be something that will result from you praising God. I, I, I say that this house is a greenhouse effect where the people that come here and they get connected authentically and genuinely with God, they flourish and blossom. And every single one of the families who have done this, every single one of the men who direct their worship towards the God of heaven begin to flourish and to become fruitful. And here it is, Genesis 1.28, where this is the, the original pro progressive steps in the direction of your worship to God. When you worship God, he blesses you. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and take dominion. We call it the seven blessings because the first one is, we were created in his image and likeness, verse 26. Let us make man in our image and likeness. Um, 
I just got back from a marriage conference on Friday and we told the people when you're not worshiping God as he intended, you might deceive yourself in believing that you come from the monkeys. And so you're not in the image and likeness of God. You can walk around like a monkey and you miss your, the value and the reality of your formation. So he made us in his image and likeness, right? And then verse 28, he blessed us and then he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and take dominion. Seven blessings that are upon our lives if we should direct our lives in the order of worshiping the God of heaven. What does the Bible says men chose to do? Men chose to worship creation like that like that girl who tells me, look, I'm really not into worshiping your God. I'm more into nature. I worship nature. And I was like, man, you missed it because you can't ask nature for help. Um, a lot of people says mother nature, but it's father God. That's, that's the, the one we need to worship. And Romans 1.25 says, those who exchange the truth for the lie and worshiped and served the created rather than the creator. And so the people, bless you, people that look at you and says, how come you worship so much and you tell them you worship too? Tell me where you spend your time and your talents and your treasure. That's your God. My God, you can see, Billy Graham says, if you follow a man's Money, you will follow his God. And so as if you see the occurrence of where I spend my money, you'll see it's in the kingdom of God. Um, we, were, we were recently married. Uh, we, were, we were starting our family and, and the church was beginning and, and I pulled out a $30,000 mortgage on my house to to write a book called Restoring the Gates. We have it here in the bookstore. And the whole book talks about how to fall in line with the house of God so it doesn't become a circus. So that the house of God doesn't produce clowns, but men and women of God who worship God as he's looking for in spirit and in truth. But there's so many people that are, question why we would spend our time and our monies and our talents in these affairs and they are spending their time, their talents and treasures in other directions. They've exchanged, instead of coming to God's truth, they believe the lie. And they lay down, they bow down, they surrender, they worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. I went into the geek bar at Apple. Is it the geek bar? Genius. The genius bar, I'm sorry. Where's the geek bar then? Oh, that's Best Buy, I'm sorry. The geek squad. So I go to the genius bar at the Apple store and I said, you guys could put rockets on the moon but you don't know how to keep a marriage together. You guys are fascinating scientists that know all the IT world and software and all this stuff which is brilliant but you deny the one who created numbers 
and technology and the, those rules behind the scenes. How come you worship there and not bow down before the creator? Something is severely flawed. Something is seriously messed up. The Bible says in verse 20, Romans 1.20, that all of his attributes are seen by those invisible things. Since the world began, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. So when I was at a funeral and met with a young girl that used to go to our youth group. Her name was Odette. And Odette comes up to me, she's, oh, Joaquin, I'm so sorry. We haven't seen each other for over 20 years. And the truth of the matter is, I no longer believe that God exists. And I said, Odie, that's not true. You can't say that. She goes, yes, I have come to the place in my life where God is no longer a reality. I said, you know something, with all due respect, we haven't seen each other for over 20 years. We used to be super, super real good friends. And you're telling me... And I pulled out my phone. This is called an iPhone, and it's amazing. And it has all sorts of stuff that show that it is brilliant. And you're saying that no one created this. Our human eyes, ears, brain, heart, lungs, kidneys, our entire body shows that somebody made this thing because it's is too marvelous for you to say that that person doesn't exist. If you were to tell me that whoever made this, you don't believe exists, I'm going to have to call you an imbecile. You have to be severely foolish to make a statement like that. Um, and so the Bible says that all the created things point to a creator, to a designer. They are made... And understood through even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. No one could go around saying they don't know that God exists because he created everything we see. And it's too marvelous. Verse 21. Because although they knew God, they decided to not glorify him as God. And they weren't thankful. I, I, I think taking a breath every once in a while makes me think, Lord, thank you. I don't have to walk around with tanks of oxygen. Thank you that I could breathe. The Bible says, let everything that breathes praise the Lord. We have a mandate to acknowledge where we receive everything we have, but became futile. Instead of giving thanks to God and glorify him, they became vain in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. I, I could see that happening over certain generations. Um, you guys heard the story. We said it at the marriage conference this time that a boy goes to the zoo with his father and they look at the monkeys and the father tells his son, that's where we come from, son. And the monkey was doing all crazy stuff. And she, he goes, yeah, but in Sunday school, they taught us that we came from God. He says, no, 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 we come from the monkey. So his father's putting a wrench in his biblical understanding. He comes home and he says, hey, mom, we went to the zoo and dad told me that we come from the monkeys. And the mom says, yeah, no, that's your dad talking about his side of the family. 
Not us. Our side of the family comes from Adam and Eve. God created them. And so that's what you're going to get when people start playing with these things. And the Bible says if anybody comes up with any other claim, they are to not be listened to. If anyone should preach another gospel than the one we have heard, we call them cursed because they've departed from these truths. And so I, I don't see a place in the Bible where God has left us with religion. In fact, in the book of Galatians we're studying now, Paul says that even the Jewish religion is an attempt to grow closer to God, but we are to walk with God and not with religion. People are engaged in worshiping something in some other direction than God. And we are saying, let's come back to the Lord and put away every other pseudo attempt, a, a, a makeup. Psalm 92.1 starts directing our efforts back to, it is a good thing to worship the Lord and to sing praises to his name as the most high. And, and you see that expression. There's no longer an argument. There's no longer a religious dispute or theological quest for understanding. It's, it's that which is. And once we line up with it, we start finding out what God wants for our lives. Psalm 147, 11, the Lord delights in those who worship him with reverence and obedience to answer Hope in his mercy. It's the provision of God for all things. Philippians 4.4, 4, Paul would say, rejoice in the Lord always. And I say again, rejoice. There is a joy that springs from a right connection with our God. One of the testimonies here with our song Restored, where Melissa sings, never have I sorrowed in despair because of the God who restored my joy the God who was able to fill me with, with his presence where there's fullness of joy. Psalm 33, one, sing for the Lord, sing for joy to the Lord, you righteous one, for the praise of the upright is beautiful. There's, 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 there's an expression of incredible reality where that joy of his presence becomes our strength to be challenged by what the world brings our direction. Psalm 16, verse 11, it's in that presence that there's fullness of joy. And we said it last week, I think that fentanyl is invading America because parents have not taught their children how to worship. So they're looking for another source of joy in opiates that lead to death because they have not taught their children how to love the house of God and the presence of God and the word of God and honor the men of God. Now our children are dying uh, at numbers never before seen. And so as I see these parents grieve in the loss of their children, I would ask them why they didn't perfect their worship in their homes. They have giant televisions. They have state-of-the-art 
vehicles in their prosperity. They have not one houses, they have five. They're able to vacation. There's one man that we know has purchased about 10 timeshares. He didn't have time to go share all that. Uh, but he's trying to fill up the void and, and, and you see that there's a distancing in honoring God with his increase. Um, Psalm 29 verse 2, ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. If you breathe, you worship. If you fall asleep on a bed, you worship. If you have a pillow, you worship. If you have a car, you worship. If you have a job, you worship. If you have co-workers, you worship. If you have resources, you worship. Worship the Lord in the expanse of the beauty of his holiness. I, I was even saying that to the extent that we perfect our worship, everything takes a rightful place. And when we're not worshiping, um, we are being stripped. Exodus 22, he says, you are not to make any other object the focus of your worship. Give unto the Lord. Exodus 22. Excellence of worship and do not make any other idols in his stead. Now, for a lot of people, this, and for me growing up, as I didn't understand worship, I'm thinking this must be the most boring expression of life. But no, it has not. It's been an incredible journey to see his faithfulness. Genesis 45.8, as Joseph has gone through an incredible journey of incredible challenges in every direction, he comes to this conclusion, all these things was not you who made me a slave and sent me to Egypt and sold me off, but it was God's plan all along so that I might be made a father to Pharaoh. So that I could go all the way to the top and be an example of what people need to follow. The ruler, the Lord, uh, the steward of all his house. Imagine that you would be faithful in your worship. God began to display upon you and pour out the entirety of heaven's inventory. And you begin to steward the wealth of heaven. But you, you need to be made fit for that. He says, a prince throughout all the land of Egypt acknowledged as a ruler that I have the understanding of the measure of all things. They, they would go to him for that. Um, his life was not insignificant, but it was super in line with serving the nations. When we read Psalm 2.8, you see that that's the measure of the prayers God would want you to have. Not, Lord, give me a car, give me a house, give me a job. If you worship correctly, you'll be able to say, God, give me, ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. Imagine your prayers change instead of you saying, give me the superficial things in life. Oh, Lord, if I was only a millionaire and God wants to make you a trillionaire, a billionaire, 
and you're praying way below the expression of his purpose for your life because his purpose has to do with his kingdom, which is eternal. The ends of the earth are the boundaries of the possession of him who worships with excellence. Instead of you asking for a cup of water, you'll say, Lord, give me the Atlantic Ocean. And their prayers now are vast and glorious because your worship has entered into an atmosphere way beyond your measure and your thoughts. That's what it says there in Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And when the Lord says he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us, what are, what's on his heart, what's on, in his mind to give you peace and not to do evil. If God's purpose for you, evil is not there, then you don't have to worry and be anxious anymore because he is prepared to give you a future and a hope. And usually people stop reading there, but I want to read verse 12. He says, then you will call upon me. When you understand worship, now you start praying right and you go and pray to me and I will listen. Now you have God's attention and you're not fretting and fearing and anxious and worry and despair and sorrow and unbelief. Verse 13 when you do so, you will seek me and find me when you have searched me with your whole heart. Uh, this, this whole heart thing concerns me because we give God just a barely enough time to squeeze in to be able to lead us in the way we should go. 168 hours in a week. And we could barely make one hour on Sunday. We're in a rush. We're in a hurry. We tell people, come out on Wednesday night for midweek Bible study. They say, I don't have time. Well, what's, what are you doing that's more important than figuring out all the things that God has for you? How is it you're going to discount God in your worship? How is it you're not going to give him? Um, if you fail to take your kid twice to the Little League, they kick him off the team. But you could miss church. If you fail to pay your homeowners association one month, they will fine you and the next month they will foreclose and they will take your home, but you haven't brought God a tithe or an offering in months and years. You're playing catch up with your worship. You're playing, here I come, God just wait for me, I'm not done yet, I'm busy doing other things. God, God doesn't have an appetite for that. He says, I wish that you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. You're, you're, you're not giving me your best. And I know that you're not giving me your best because I see your best. I see you waking up super early and going to bed super late at night, worried about your car, your house, and your work, but you don't worry about your worship. What would it be if we surrendered at his feet? What would it be if we perfected our worship and saw the response of God's lavish return, Exodus 20, verse 6, those who love me and keep my directives, their children will experience blessings for a thousand generations. I will show my outpouring to thousands. 
to the generations of those who keep me, who, who keep loving me and keep loving my commandments. So let's stand this morning and tell God, Lord, I want to see your face. Show me your glory, Lord. Show me the expanse of the provision you have for me. Pastor Richie, one more time. We used to sing a song. I will sing unto the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved, saved from my enemy. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing unto the Lord. Shall I be saved? Shall I be saved? Saved from my enemies. Saved from my enemies. The Lord liveth. The Lord liveth. And blessed be the rock. And may the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth. And blessed be the rock. And may the God of my salvation be Raise your hands to the heavens. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing unto the Lord. Who is worthy to be praised? Who is worthy to be praised? So shall I be saved. So shall I be saved. Saved from my enemies. Saved from my enemies. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing unto the Lord. Shall I be saved? Saved from my enemies. From my enemies. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock. And may the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be the rock. And may the God of my salvation be exalted. I am convinced, and this is, that if we would show the world how to live this life that we've heard of this morning, that a ton of people would move in our direction. We, we wouldn't be picking up the phone no more and say, uh, give me the name of your accountant or give me the name of your doctor or your, we would start asking God for all those things that, that we plan for. As we went to uh, Port St. Lucie this weekend, we went there on Friday, they invited us to do a marriage conference Friday night from seven to 10.30. And the pastor was telling me that they were buying a piece of land and they own a five acre land where they're at right now. And right next door, there were 17, a plot of 17 acres that they were buying $2.5 million. And he says, I want to buy it. So he put a contract on it. When the day of the closing was coming near, the seller repented and said, no, I can't do that. You know, 
I have too much string attached in my emotions with that piece of land. We've owned it forever as a family. I'm going to leave it to my kids. So they broke off the contract. So the pastor found 28, nine acres, two miles away and put a contract on that. And right before the time came to close, it didn't close. So they weren't able to get it. The man had died next door with the 17 acres and his children came over and says, listen, we're willing to sell this thing to you for $400,000. Went from 2.5 to 400,000 and they purchased it. So sometimes when God is telling you no about something, cause he has something that's coming down the pike that's better. Instead of us getting upset and running off like immature brats and spoiled children, we, we wait upon the Lord. And, and he has good things for us. Um, most of all is that we might direct our efforts in, in our inability to do so accurately and perfectly. Uh, then, then things are, are happening around us that diminish our strength and diminish our confidence and, and our blessing. But, but we're on the right track. How many were blessed this morning? Amen. Yeah. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. God has given us greater understanding, and with that understanding, we will we'll draw closer to the Lord and, and perfect our worship in a manner that the expression of which, and this is what it was in the Bible, when the children saw their parents worshiping in a manner that had the dew of heaven falling upon them and the refreshing and the victory, the, the children says, I want to serve the God of my fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the God who created the earth and not misdirect our efforts in a detour, uh, in an expression that, that falls short of his glory. Father, thank you this morning for allowing us to spend time in your presence, time in your word, time in fellowship. Best time invested of all our work week is our, the time we spend with you because you are the one from whom all blessings flow. We pray your peace upon your people. This week would be a week of victory, a week of being able to put into practice that which we've heard here in the house of God and that we not fret or fear or walk in anxiety or worry because you are the Prince of Peace, Lord. And you pour out a peace that surpasses all our understanding. Greater than laughter, you give us the depth of joy in the midst of our trials that we would count it all joy that there's a perfecting of our hearts, character, our faith. There's a polishing of our walk upon this earth and that we might pass down to our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren the blessing of knowing you as the greatest blessing upon the earth, Lord, that we might walk with you all the days of our lives, that every breath that we take is extended life to live for you, Lord. Thank you for the things you bestow us to possess and to steward for your glory that we do so with wisdom and father we pray most and best of all that as we worship you and give you the worth of all that you represent in our lives that we might live more excellently to please you in all things that our love for God and our love for others would be the uh, the the stamp of acknowledgement, Lord, that we're prepared to be used as vessels in your hands, as instruments in this, on, this, on this side of eternity that we might leave a legacy to our children to love God and to serve him as man's greatest joy to fill the earth with his glory.
In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.